Good evening, guys. Blessing to be together, worship together. If you have your Bibles with you, let's open them up to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. We'll be looking at some passages there in just a few minutes. Uh, go ahead and turn there. I do want to pray and ask the Lord to bless our time in His Word here. Father, we do thank You for already just a sweet time in Your presence, Lord, as we worship together. We do sense the ministry of Your Holy Spirit meeting us. And Lord, You promised that if we would draw near to You, that You would certainly draw near to us. That if two or more would gather in Your name, there You would be in, in their midst. And so we do sense the ministry of Your Spirit, Lord, as we set our hearts to worship. And God, we pray that You would continue to minister to us. Lord, continue to speak to us now. Out of this time of study in Your Word, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Continuing, guys, through our book that uh, we're studying together on being a servant of God, tonight we'll be looking at chapters 10, 11, and 12. And I've kind of kind of looking through these chapters and trying to kind of put them together. And Lord, what kind of a theme here? And I've kind of themed it this way, goals of ministry, goals of ministry. These are the things that we hope will take place as we serve the Lord in ministry. I've defined it this way. These are Christ-like qualities that we should see in our own lives, and they are the qualities we should see produced in others through our ministry service, in us and produced in others through us. That is what I believe ultimately God desires to do. He wants to do a work within, and there's plenty of work there, (laughs) lots of work that the Lord needs to do within us to change us, to transform us. But that's not where it ends. God ultimately wants not only to change us, but then to kind of enlist us in the ministry of changing others. Now, it's the Holy Spirit that does the changing, but God uses individuals, uses men, uses you and I to serve in ministry wherein we would affect the lives of others. And so the same things that we experience would happen in the lives of others. So this is God's plan, and this is Really, I think the theme of of being a servant, we're looking to now asking the Lord to help us serve in ministry capacity. So uh, the first thing in chapter 10, the first kind of theme that jumps out is I've entitled it kind of growing up, maturity. Uh, This is one of the things that should happen in our lives. It's also one of the things that should, should be accomplished through our lives in ministry. We ought to be growing as believers. And our ministry, our serving in ministry, ought to produce spiritual growth in others. It's a good way to measure what's going on in your life spiritually. Am I growing? Not have I arrived, but am I growing? Am I moving in the right direction? Even the Apostle Paul said, I I do not claim to have attained it yet, but one thing I do, brethren, I press on. I'm moving in that direction. And so I think that's an important step. If we don't continue to grow, then we end up being very immature spiritually. So this growing up, this maturity, God wants it to happen, first of all, in us. And I cite a couple of passages here for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul kind of had to reprimand this church in Corinth. He said this, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. 
For where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Paul points out to the church in Corinth, guys, uh, you need to grow up. There's still envy and strife and division. There's this selfishness, this kind of carnal side to you. And that's, that's not the kind of fruit that we look for in a church that is maturing and growing and, and developing spiritually. And Paul said, you know, I, I'd like to share some things with you. I'd like to teach you more concerning your faith, but you're not even ready for it. You haven't even been faithful with the little, the milk that I've already given to you. You're still not ready for solid food. You know, we, we don't get surprised when, you know, a, a small child acts like a small child. We expect that. But boy, when a 25-year-old or a 35-year-old acts like a small child, it's, it's very unusual. We, we notice that right away. Wow, this guy needs to grow up. And that's kind of what Paul is saying here. We don't expect new believers to have the maturity in Christ of those that have been walking in the Lord for a long period of time. But neither do we expect those that have been in the Lord for a long season in time to be acting like they're just, you know, brand new baby Christians, not even really allowing God to develop them and mature them. Maturity, this is part of what God wants to do in us. I remind you also of Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 12, for, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So the writer of Hebrews identifies some things here too. Guys, you should be able to teach others by now, but you're still needing to be taught some of the basic principles. We're having to go all over again some of the things that you should really be teaching others by now. Because when you grow in the Lord and as you mature in the Lord, this passage tells us that we would expect you to be skilled in the word of righteousness. That you would learn enough of the word not only to have it working in your life, but that you would then be able and trained to teach it to others. That you would be, you would be uh, having, through, through the exercise of your senses, uh, be able to discern both good and evil. You've been walking with the Lord. The Lord has trained you. The Lord has matured you. The Word of God has become something you're skilled in. So God certainly wants us to develop maturity within our own hearts, within our own lives. But not only there, He ultimately wants to use your life in ministry to help develop this kind of spiritual life in others. So in us, for sure, Let's talk a little bit about through us. The Apostle Paul, a couple verses that we'll look at here together. This kind of sums up his heart, quoting from Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. Paul said, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. This was Paul's desire for individuals that he ministered to. He wanted to preach, he wanted to teach, and he wanted the result to be men being perfected or mature, that word means matured, 
in Christ Jesus. Paul said, this is, this is the aim, this is the goal of my ministry, to develop men into mature believers. Not just to get people saved, although there is that's where it starts for sure, that ministry, that work of evangelism. But Paul said, I go beyond that. I'm not just looking to, to create a bunch of infants in the faith. I'm really preaching in, lo- in hope that we will be developing mature men of faith. And this is the goal of serving in ministry. This is the goal of, of the time that we invest in one another's lives. We're trying to encourage one another. We're trying to stir one another up to grow up spiritually and in the faith that others would be perfected, matured in Christ. That's Paul's desire as he ministered to individuals. This is also Paul's desire for the life of any given church. And you're there in Ephesians And I want us to look at that together as it kind of themes in with this idea. Verse 11, And he himself, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So Jesus has called men to these certain types of ministry gifts. Verse 12, For the equipping of the saints, that would be all believers, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. There's that word perfect again, meaning a mature, a grown-up man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This is the goal of ministry individually and corporately as a church. Paul said that God is is worked in different areas within the church so that we together would grow up, that the church would mature, that the body would grow up into the fullness, the full stature, that we would come to represent Christ in His fullness as a people, as a group of men, as a church. And each member has a part to play, as Paul says here. This is the ideal of the body that we would grow and strengthen and come into maturity. You know, I heard uh, uh, an author, pastor, speak at a pastor's meeting once, and he does a lot of traveling. He's written books, and he travels and and visits many churches and, and speaks and has opportunity to share. And he said, you know, as I look across at the church in America, yeah, I, I would define it as, you know, thousands of miles wide, and only a few inches deep. You know, there's a, there's a lot of professing Christians and a lot of people going through the motion of, of being Christian, but really shallow in their spiritual maturity, in their depth of commitment and, and understanding of the things of God. And that's, that would be a shame if we would come and exist as a fellowship year after year, and and maybe even see the growth, you know, numerically, 
but not see depth in a maturity. God help us. This, this, this idea here is very significant, that ministry and our serving and our working together in a body is to help people grow up spiritually. Yes, we want to get people saved. That's part of it. We've got to evangelize. We've got to bring people to the gospel. But, you know, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Not go make converts. Go make disciples. Now, you've got to be converted first, of course. That You have to include that in that process. But disciples has a deeper meaning than just someone that, that professes Christ. And so as, lo- as much as we long to share the gospel, and we do, we want to see lives transformed. I want to see disciples. I want us to be making disciples. We want to see that happening in our lives, and we want that to be the fruit of our ministry, the, the, the work of God through us. Maturity. I quote Wearsby here, and I excuse my spelling of the word spite, I put spit. In, in, uh, in spite of what some success preachers say, God's goal for our lives is not money, but maturity. Not happiness, but holiness. Not getting, but giving. Your purpose is to build people of Christian character whom God can bless and use to build others. That's the design. That's the goal of our ministry and our serving. It's not what we can gain or what we can get, but it's in giving our lives to the blessing of others and that they would mature in Christ. Our ministry must ultimately build others into mature Christians. Ministry is not designed to use others or to manipulate others, but to develop others. You know, a lot of ministry is done indirectly. I think about the ministry here in our local fellowship. There are some that have opportunity to to actually teach and and train, whether it be in the children's ministry, whether it be junior high, high school, here in the adult services. There are those that actually teach, and that is part of training and developing. A lot of people serve indirectly. I'm thinking today of, the, of all of those that serve behind the scenes. A few men came to mind as I was considering this and preparing my notes. And I'm not going to mention their names, but if I were to mention their names, you would, all of you would shake your head. Oh, yeah, that guy... He's always here doing something. He's always here serving. He's not up here on stage, but he's always here serving. Now, three or four names come to mind, and probably you you and I could name them off. I'm not going to name them because, you know, I don't want to steal their reward. The Bible says, do your good deeds in secret, and God who sees will reward you in secret. So I don't want to reward them by by, uh, giving them... You know, honor among men, but rather let, let the Lord continue to bless and nurture them. But you know who these men are. And thank God for these men that are serving. Thank God for these men that are taking care of the facility, that are making sure the ministry is able to continue to function. They don't have that direct ability to necessarily disciple and train and teach, but what they do is very significant in the ministry of discipling and training and teaching in this fellowship. Because without those services, you know, the the pulpit ministry would not be possible. And not only do they serve indirectly, but I want to encourage you, those of you that do serve behind the scenes, I want you to recognize that you do have the opportunity to train and develop men directly. 
by your example and by mentoring and discipling others. And I'm starting to see a little bit of that. I'm starting to see some of the guys that have been around a little while taking like a newbie under his wing. Okay, come here. Let me show you how this is done. No, no, no. We don't do it that way. Here, this and, and a discipling and, and not just practically, but I, I'm, I'm believing that there's something spiritual there going as well. An attitude, an attitude, a heart, a serving heart. So there's a lot that can be done there, and that really should be the, the fruit and the goal of ministry is to develop others, not just to serve ourselves, and not just to be serving in our own capacity, but looking to bring others and to learn uh, uh, to equip them as well. And uh, we could go on. There's a lot of ministries that, that are served behind the scenes, but they too have a, have a call to develop and mature other believers. And I think ministry should always include that. Uh, it's not automatic, guys. Uh, you have to focus at it. We have to like be looking for it. Be looking to mentor the younger. Looking to help uh, encourage the others. It's like parenting. You know, children don't raise themselves, right? You've got to work at it. You've got to be very intentional about training up a child in the way that he should go. And so spiritually, we have to be very intentional about our desires to train and mature others into uh, spiritual maturity. I like what Wiersbe says. Remember, in God's eyes, the worker is more important than the work. If the worker is what he or she ought to be, the work will be done right and will please God. So as we develop one another, as we serve, it's not just the work itself that's, that we should focus on, but it's the lives. Because if the heart is right, the work takes care of itself. The service becomes automatic. Ministry is about people. It's not about projects. It's about helping others come into discipleship, into spiritual maturity. The next chapter, we'll move on. That was chapter 10. Chapter 11, another goal of ministry and emphasized in chapter 11 is unity. And I've termed that just getting along. Funny thing about ministry, funny thing about serving, it involves people. That's the hard part. Ministry would be so great except for the people. (laughs) Ministry would be so easy except for the people. Of course, without the people, there is no ministry. Without, without lives, there is no serving. The whole idea is serving and laying our lives down for others. I like what Wearsby says. Again, I quote, One thing for sure, believers who try to serve the Lord can expect to have problems with people, and maybe people will have problems with them. I don't know if any of you can have had that experience, but I can say amen to that. It just comes with the territory. And so we have to endeavor to keep unity. You know, Moses, uh, he had his hands full, didn't he, with that nation of Israel out in the wilderness. In fact, in Numbers 11, he just said, God, I'm, I'm so frustrated with this people. Just take my life. Just kill me. I mean, that's frustration. I haven't come to that frustration yet. <laughs> Uh, give it time, give it time. You know, Paul, uh, he, he was there in Philippi. We're looking at that on Wednesday nights. There he is in prison. And, you know, some of the brethren are actually taking advantage of the fact that he's in prison, thinking that they're going to 
actually harm him and, and one-upmanship him in ministry. What a, what a wrong motive. But here's Paul sacrificing for the gospel and yet people. Uh, and unfortunately, and I've seen this to be true over the years, that sometimes the ones you help the most appreciate the least. Jesus, you remember when he healed the ten lepers, how many came back to thank him? Only one. Only one out of ten. Healed of leprosy, Luke 17. Pretty amazing, miraculous event. And yet only one came back to appreciate what Jesus had done and touched him in his life. So ministry is difficult. It can be challenging. We're talking about serving. We're talking about getting engaged in serving others. Serving in whether it be in church, whether it be in your family, in your community, in your workplace. We're talking about being a servant for the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it's not going to be easy. People are not always going to appreciate it. People are not even always going to notice it. And uh, some people will be very challenging sometimes even in your ministry. And unity is something that must be endeavored for. Unity is something that must be kept. You're there in Ephesians 4. Just look back up at verse 1, and I'll have it here on the screen as well. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So, one of the goals of ministry is keeping unity. That's why the Lord that's why the word says that you know you're going to have to walk in lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. You have to bring that heart to ministry. If you come to ministry, if you come to the idea of serving thinking, "Wow, I'm going to serve and people are really going to be thankful. People are really going to appreciate it. Man, the doors are going to open wide for me now. I'm really going to get into the mainstream of blessing." Because now I'm serving and now I'm laying my life down and, and all of a sudden it doesn't go that way. Don't be disappointed. Don't be surprised. The reward comes through the Spirit of God strengthening and encouraging your heart. There is great reward in serving the Lord. There is great blessing in being used by God in ministry. Tremendous fulfillment, blessing, spiritual encouragement. But it doesn't always come from people. Sometimes it does. But oftentimes it doesn't, and you have to learn to receive that from the Lord. This is why I think Jesus would often kind of get away by himself and pray. He just needed to be refreshed by the Spirit of God, nourished in the Lord. This is why in order to be serving, you must have a faithful uh, devotion life with the Lord. Didn't Jesus say, abide in me? Because apart from me, you can do nothing. You get out there and just start serving. You may, you're, you may have good intentions. Your heart may be in the, in the right place. But if it, doesn't, if it isn't flowing from an abiding relationship with, in Jesus Christ, first of all, you're not going to be able to accomplish anything of spiritual consequence because you can do nothing apart from Him. And secondly, you're going to burn out. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to be disappointed because you're going to be looking to men rather than to the vine. You must look to Christ. He will direct you and He will use your life. And He will minister, I believe, these very practical things 
uh, into your heart as you serve. Just some thoughts, practical thoughts. And again, I take some of this from our text, some of this from my own experience. I like what Wearsby said. You must learn to avoid the we versus they mindset. You know, I'm in ministry. It's me against them. You know, they're, they're, they're the people. We're the ministers. Okay, it's on. You know, it's, we're, we're in this together. This is a family. We're a body. We're working together. So don't, don't, as you serve in ministry, don't separate yourself from the body. And they're, you know, they're, they're the enemy now, or they're the project now. We're together. We're in this together. And you must bring that sense of unity when you come to serve. Don't divide over non-essentials. Don't get caught up. Don't get bogged down. You know, there are some doctrinal issues that we must really contend for. And I think many of you know what those are. We're not looking to, to identify those here tonight, but truthfully, there are a lot of differences that take place in a church body that are not over doctrinal essentials at all. A lot of it is petty. A lot of it is, well, why are you doing it that way? Why don't you do it this way? Well, that's because, you know, I'm in charge and you're not. Well, why? I think you know, all of this stuff that, that goes on within the body, even in those that are trying to serve in ministry. You'll, you'll probably recognize this quote. Quote from Augustine, In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Much, much church disunity is, frankly, over non-essentials. You must bring humil- humility into your heart of service if, you're, if you want to maintain unity. Again, I quote Wearsby here. This is powerful. This is very, very pointed. The big problem, of course, is that we all think we have the right answer and we're prepared to defend our convictions. A lot of Christians are sitting on a hot seat because they expect everybody to agree with them and everything to go their way. Like Lucifer, they insist on being like the Most High and playing God in everybody's life. The name of the malady is pride, and it's a difficult disease to cure. Guys, you've got to guard your hearts against pride. Sometimes when we begin to serve, sometimes even as the Lord opens doors of service and we begin to be even effective in ministry, pride can become a problem. You know, I know what I'm doing. I, this is the way we do it. And, and we begin to think that we have the keys and we have the answers and we're the anointed ones. And uh, we imagine that everybody should see it our way. And boy, we're so quick to notice how everybody else should be doing it. And why aren't they doing it that way? And Listen, as you serve within a body... There's no room for that kind of critical spirit. We, I've seen it. I've heard it. You know, why is he doing it that way? Oh, I don't know why they'd arrange it that way. Why'd they do the chairs that way? Oh, gosh, who put those lights up? Oh, and, you know, there's a lot of... I mean, I'm just throwing out these, these examples, but it's a kind of spirit that comes in. The experts, the ministry experts, who know how everything should be done in, in every setting. That's not the heart of a servant. That's, that's really not the, the way to keep unity in a body. Recognize that, you know what, there are many different ways that ministry can be accomplished, many different people that God uses, and God wants to use all of us. And that doesn't necessarily mean that God wants to use you to kind of play God in everybody else's life and everybody else's ministry. That is pride. 
And it's something that you must guard your own heart against. And you must recognize that others may not agree or even appreciate your ministry. You've got to have patience. Again, I quote Wearsby, to minister for Christ, we must minister like Christ. You're going to have to learn how to uh, not be offended if others do not appreciate or necessarily you know, uh, commend your ministry. You do it unto the Lord and you do it in the way that God has instructed your heart and given you opportunity to serve. And you serve the Lord faithfully and, and, and trust that God is ultimately going to direct and lead and bless the work. Pastor Brian, remember when he first sent me out into ministry, he said, you know, if you're going to serve as a pastor, you're going to have to have some thick skin. Because, you know, the darts are going to come and people are going to come at you and everybody's going to have an idea of how it should be and why you're doing it that way. And Not that pastors are uncorrectable or can't receive um, input. We can, we should, we need to be. But uh, you have to also recognize that there are times when, you know what, this is, this is what God's called me to do. And this is what God's... Uh, I've got to be faithful to that, whether, you know, whether men are with me or not. We can't be man-pleasers. We have to be God-pleasers. Finally, tonight. So that's getting along. Unity. Learning to serve the Lord in unity. Humility. Finally, I have here giving a smile. Joy. (laughs) Ministry should not be drudgery. Ministry should be a joy. Proverbs 17.22, a merry heart does good like medicine. Proverbs 15.13, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. What does a cheerful countenance look like? <laughs> it's a smile. It's a, it's, it's a, you know, I'm serving the Lord. Hey, brother, praise God, we're serving together. Not this, uh, you know, downcast, kind of grumpy, you know, grouchy. You know, my, my wife accuses me of that on occasion, you know. And she's right. She's, it's true, you know. I've told you that story. I can't remember it exactly. But, you know, this uh, man wakes up in the morning and this young man, his mother comes in and says, you know, it's time to go to church. No, I don't want to go to church today. Oh, come on. You have to go to church today. Get around. Let's go. It's all right. No, I don't want to go. They don't like me down there. People haven't really, don't really accept me. They haven't been very welcoming to me. And, you know, I don't have any friends there. I don't want to go. And she said, now listen, there's a lot of people that welcome you there. And you have a lot of friends. And there's a lot of people that really do like you down there. And besides that, son, you're the pastor. <laughs> You need to go to church. It should be a joy. There should be some, uh, you know, really blessing in serving one another. And I, I would simply say this, uh, you know, if it's not a joy, then something is wrong. Now, there's times when you get weary. There's times when, you know, it's just, it's work and it, it's hard and you're, you're tired. But that's not the norm. That's the exception. Normally, there should be a sense of joy and a, and a willing heart. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. In that context, he's talking about financial resource, but I think that applies in every area of our giving. Giving of our time, giving of our service, giving of our lives to one another in ministry. God loves a cheerful giver. 
Not a begrudging, not a disgruntled, grumpy giver. God loves those that can minister and serve cheerfully. You know, I, I remember this passage. I, want to, I think I have it for you up on the overhead. Genesis 29 and verse 20. You remember Jacob when he, when he had to serve for Rachel. It says, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love that he had for her. You know, our love for the Lord, our appreciation for His love and goodness in our lives, that has to be the fuel, the fire of service in our hearts. If it's anything else, you are going to get disgruntled and burned out and frustrated. But when it's done because you love Jesus, when it's done because God has given you an opportunity to be useful in His kingdom, what a privilege that He would allow you, recruit you into the work of the kingdom, the eternal work of the universe. Hey, I've got a place for you. I've got something for you to do. Do you want to help me? Yes, Jesus. And the, and the, the work of seven years would seem like but a few days because of the love that you have for the Lord. There is a joy in serving the Lord. There should be. And if it's not joyous for you, then you should, you should examine your heart. Maybe you're doing something that God hasn't called you to do, and that's possible. And you'll never find joy in doing something outside of God's will. So you may need to re-kind of visit, what is God really calling me to do? And I need to find that, because in, there, in that place you will find and discover joy. It may be that you're trying to do it in your own strength. You're doing what God wants you to do, but you're not doing it abiding in the vine. You're kind of just in the flesh now. Your prayer time is diminished. Your, you know, your time in fellowship with the Lord. You're so busy doing ministry, you don't really have time to even. You know, we've seen this. Some people are so busy doing ministry, they don't even have time to be in sitting in the message and receiving the word. They're too busy being in ministry. That's not healthy, because that that the joy and the and the power for ministry comes through relationship with the Lord. So it may be that you're doing it in your own strength and you're just you need to retap your power source. Those are the things that you need to check and consider if you're doing what God's called you to do, if you're doing it in his strength, then there should be joy. I'll close here today with just this uh this thought that Warren Wearsby points out and I like it. He said, you know, if you're gonna serve the Lord in ministry, you, you need to have a sense of humor. <laughs> And I think that's good counsel. I think you need to be able, first of all, to laugh at yourself. You know, if you take yourself too seriously in ministry, you're going to be one grumpy character. You need to be able to laugh at yourself, you know, not taking yourself too seriously. I heard this again at a pastor's conference. I think it was Skip Heitzig, the pastor at Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque. He said, you know, said, really, the best kind of humor for pastors to use from the pulpit is self-depreciating humor. You know, make fun of yourself. He says, there's plenty to talk about. There's plenty to laugh at. And, you know, that, that way you don't take yourself too seriously. A brother in our church here the other day, as he was leaving on Sunday morning, he said, man, I really like coming to this church. I said, oh, really, why? He says, because you're, you know, you're honest from the pulpit. You're just as messed up as we are. <laughs> I wasn't sure how to take that, you know. I wasn't sure if that was a good thing or not. But, you know, just this is the way it is. We're, we just don't take yourself too seriously. Be willing to laugh at yourself. 
Laughter is the lubricant that helps people work better together. That's a quote again from Wearsby. That's good, isn't it? Laughter is the lubricant that helps people work better together. You know, as we're serving together, there should be some laughter. I'm not, not abusive kind of, you know, humor, and, but, you know, just enjoying one another. Being able to laugh, being able to have a smile on your face as you serve the Lord. Enjoy serving uh, together, a cheerful servant. I think that uh, joy is really one of the fruits. Of course, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit, but I really believe it's the, it can be the fruit of serving. There's a, there, is, uh, there is something about learning to give that's very freeing. It's very pleasure, you know, brings a pleasant uh, experience into your heart especially when you know that the Lord has used your life. That brings a real deep joy, a real sense of fulfillment and satisfaction that God has used you. So these are things that I think are are the goals of ministry, that we would have um, maturity, that we would have unity, and that we would have joy, that these these would be the product of our serving in our own lives and the product that we would help produce in other people's lives. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time of study and these thoughts that come to us, Lord. Very practical, really, very very direct to the heart. We're studying on being a servant of God. Lord, that's, that's our desire. We, we want to not just become men that have been saved. We want to be men that become servants of the true and living God. We want to be disciples of Jesus. Freely we have received. Now, Lord, we want to learn to freely give. And so, God, I pray that you would help us as we continue through these studies, so practical, so direct to the heart, that we would apply them in our lives and and, uh, allow you to speak to us in these areas and by your Spirit to impart these graces to us. We thank you for this time tonight, Lord, and we pray you'll continue to bless our our time here together as we discuss these things one one another and then uh, hear a testimony here later tonight. Lord, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.